And I'm glad to have you here. And uh, this morning, what we're doing is we are continuing our Advent series. How many here appreciate the season of Advent? Just kind of a little bit. Yeah, I like, I lo- I like it because it, it really does direct my focus towards the Lord, direct my focus towards... I get a sense of anticipation. And uh, I don't know about you guys, I just can't wait for Jesus to come back. I'm like, I'm a big fan of Christ's return in case you're wondering. <laughs> so I can't wait for him to come back. I love the Advent season. We're talking about, it's called the invitation. We're talking about the invitation that God extends to us. Uh, and listen, he's always extending to us. Remember, God is always reaching out. He's always speaking to us. And uh, when we don't hear that or don't uh, encounter that or don't experience that, it's usually because our, our antennas aren't up, you know. But God is always speaking to us. And, uh, and it's to, to see what he sees. He wants us to see what he sees. He, he wants us to care about what he cares about. And he's, he's inviting us to encounter his peace and his hope and his love and his joy in really amazing ways. I love that we have a Heavenly Father that is always, like, drawing us into this intimacy. He's always drawing us into this relationship with him. And... Uh, and he never stops. He doesn't give up. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes, and I talked about this like a little bit last week, but sometimes I wish that I could go back and experience Christmas again, like through my kid eyes, you know, once more. Like back when Christmas was so magical. I, I remember like being in grade school because we didn't have a whole lot of distractions back in the 70s and 80s. And just like laying on the floor of the living room while my dad had Christmas music playing over the hi-fi and uh, over his turntable and, uh, and, and just sort of laying there listening to Christmas music and staring at the lit tree. And one of the things about being a kid is you see the world from different perspectives than you do as an adult. Uh, the things I love about kids, and I, and I mean like the physical space around you than you do as an adult. Because kids, they'll lay on the floor and stick their heads under the tree. And it's like all of a sudden they're in a magical world, right? And I just, I love that. And I love that about, you know, seeing Christmas that way. And, uh, it, you know, even during hard times, Christmas was a special time to me. And uh, I loved to, to play Christmas music on the stereo. Just like my son Cole. He's, man, he's got Christmas music playing like as of the, like Thanksgiving, Maybe even sooner, you know. You go into his bedroom, and he's got lights on. He's got the, the music playing. And as a kid, I used to love to do that, watch Christmas movies, and, and always hope for a white Christmas, you know. Christmas is always better when there's snow on the ground for some reason, or at least we think that because of Bing Crosby. And, uh, but uh, the thing about children is that they really don't worry a whole lot. And that's kind of a, a child thing. Children don't worry about interest rates going down. Like, that's not their jam, right? Kids don't worry about how, you know, the utility bills are going to be paid. And they don't worry much, at least most kids anyway. I had one of my children, I won't say which one, was, uh, had a bit of an anxious personality. Like, if you said that you were coming over to the house to play with him at 10 a.m., and it was 10.01, and you weren't there, he was standing by the window, wringing his hands, right? So he had a little bit of an anxious personality. But uh, <laughs> does anybody else's child do that? 
I thought so. <laughs> he even looks a lot like him. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, children, most of them don't worry about it. They kind of live in the moment. They sort of take it all in. They're not anxious about things. They don't stress over what other people think about their outfit. <laughs> don't you love it when kids dress themselves and they think they look awesome? But they're, <laughs> they're wearing, like, floral pants and plaid shirt and, you know, whatever, and they're ready to rock it, and they, they're proud of the way they look. I love that they don't worry about what other people think about their outfit. Kids can fall asleep in just about any environment. You know notice that? It's like they, you know, I remember... Um, years ago, before we started the church, we used to travel and, you know, speak at youth camps and retreats and things like that, and we had our kids, we got pictures of our kids with us, and we're in the middle of this, you know, like youth service, and there's 200 kids in there, and the worship band is playing ultra loud, and Hudson's just sleeping in the front row. You know, kids can just fall asleep anywhere in any environment. They just have such a wonderful sense of peace. And I think we could all enjoy Christmas more, really, if we, if we took a bit of a more childlike approach, childlike wonder. And that's actually one of my prayers, is just, God, help me to always stay in a sense of wonder, a sense of awe, you know? When was the last time you just kind of went, oh, whoa, you know, at something, at that childlike sense of awe, and I just love that. And I find it really interesting, you know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 4, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, that, that God actually puts a value on childlikeness, that God actually, you know, uh, puts, puts value in that, and says, hey, become more like a little child. And children have this incredible sense of wonder. Children play hard, and then they sleep hard, Right? I mean, let's just be honest. If you fell asleep in the car and somebody carried you in the house, you'd wake up, right? As soon as they started to jostle you and take you out of the car. At least most of you would, I think. And they play hard. They sleep hard. They have a wonderful peace. I wish that I could take a child's peace and sort of like bottle it and then, and then take it when I need it, right? I feel a little anxious. I think I'll just take a little of this peace, right? And so I don't know how full your peace tank is during this time of year. Uh, especially, you know, during a, a, a stressful time in our world. Maybe, maybe you really want to be at peace. Maybe you really want to enjoy the holidays. But, you know, the pandemic kind of hangs over you like weights on your shoulders. Uh, I, 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 one of my sort of escapes is, I'll just be honest, uh, one of my escapes is like television. You know, if I'm kind of stressed out, I just want to forget I just want to zone, just forget the, the real world around me. I think I'll just turn on something. And so uh, I've noticed recently I'll turn on uh, something and I'll watch it. I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden, if you want to enjoy the holidays this season, make sure to do it virtually. You know, I'm like, what? Come on. And the commercial will pull me out of this, you know, kind of false sense of escape that I have, you know, you know developed by watching the show. And the commercial comes on, it comes on, and it's for all in Illinois. I don't know if you've seen those commercials to pretty much just mask up and, and do things virtually and things like that. And then I go, oh, yeah, crap, we're in a pandemic, you know. And it, it sort of pulls me out of this this escapism that I was experiencing for the last 11 and a half minutes before it was time for another commercial. And so uh, maybe you want to feel peace, but you've had a hard time during this season, or 
you know, maybe this time of year stirs up painful memories, you know, for you. And, and I know people whose, you know, loved ones have passed away, like, on Christmas, you know, or Christmas Eve or during this time of year. And it's really hard for them. Or maybe they were betrayed during this time of year. And they just really, what they are looking forward to is New Year's. They're not looking forward to Christmas. They're looking forward to New Year's when they can take the Christmas decorations down and all the reminders down and the music can stop and they can kind of get back into normal routine of life because that's comforting for them. And so, you know, wherever you are this morning, God's invitation to you is to receive his peace. That's God's invitation to you no matter where you are. And peace isn't merely a good feeling. And peace isn't merely a reprieve from all the activity. Peace is something so much more, and it's something so much more powerful. In fact, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it this morning, because I've preached about it before, but I'd really encourage you to do a study on the shoes of peace in the armor of God, because peace is actually a really powerful advancing force. And, uh, but peace is, you know, the invitation that God is making to you, and and uh, we're going to talk about that, but first I just want to pray real quick. God, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for your peace. And we thank you, God, that we don't have to beg you for peace, that you invite us into your peace always. God, I ask that you would cause your word to come alive in us today. Lord, that you would allow us to see you uh, more clearly and more nearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to start off, we're going to read about the birth of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It says, this is, I hope our, our online church, if you're, if you're let's just pull up your Bible, read with me. Online church, read with me. Everybody say, hey, online church. I just want to make sure you all are still awake, you know. We don't want you to keep us open in one tab and then be doing something else in another. We want you to stay with us, right? Okay. It says this, it says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the, his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary to be his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. If you remember one thing this morning, remember this. You are invited to receive God's peace today and every day. You're invited. You know, I can't imagine what Joseph was going through. I mean... I really can't. A lot of us, we're so familiar with the Christmas story, we actually kind of don't think a whole lot about the emotions behind it. We're just, you know, we kind of like, oh, yeah, Joseph and Mary, and Mary became president of the Holy Spirit, blah, 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 blah. You know, okay, let's get to the meal, or let's get to the presents, or let's, whatever, you know, whenever we read this to our family, right? And so, but we forget. And this was a, real, this was a time when Joseph probably was losing a whole lot of sleep. 
This is the woman he loved, who he uh, you know, pledged to uh, be with for the rest of his life. This was the one, right? Like, you know what it's like, those of you who have found the one, and you are in love, and then all of a sudden, they're telling you some whack story about how they got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, right? Think about that for a second. If, put yourself in Joseph's you know, shoes here for a minute. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if I was engaged to be married and my wife got pregnant, and she said, no, 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 it's the Holy Spirit, I don't think I'd jump in to believe that right away. You know, I mean, I, I would be 99.99999% sure that she was lying to me, and I'd be like, Holy Spirit, yeah, what's his real name? Huh? Holy Spirit, is that what you call the pool boy now? I'm just kidding. Um, so... <laughs> I would have a real hard time with this. And here Joseph is, man, he's, he's, uh, he needs peace. And God comes along and says, hey, don't be afraid. Be at peace. Man, that's hard. That's hard. So the thing about peace is peace doesn't come easy. It doesn't come. Sometimes you have to fight for your peace. And so, but God is inviting us into it. And there's not a situation in your life where God does not invite you to experience his peace. Not one. And so, in fact, Paul the Apostle prayed in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace give himself, give, <laughs> peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. He says at all times, in every situation. So is Paul going at most time, in some situations, saying all the time, in all situation, may God give you his peace. The Lord be with you all. So God wants you to be at peace. And you know, there's a few reasons why God wants you to be at peace. I believe that God doesn't simply want you to be at peace just so that you can have a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. Because that's what we mistake peace for a lot of times. But God doesn't simply want you to be at peace just so you can go, oh, I feel better now. Right? But here's the thing. Peace helps you to make better decisions. Yes or no? Yeah. When you're at peace, you make much better decisions. Okay? Being at peace helps you to resist temptation. You know what? When I struggle most is when I'm not at peace. When I struggle to do the wrong thing is when I'm not at peace. Peace helps you to resist temptation. Peace is good for your health. You all experience that? You go through an anxious season, a lot of times right towards the end of that anxious season or as soon as you're kind of out of it, what happens? Sinus infection, right? Bronchitis, something. Yeah, and anybody else have ever been there? You go through a stressful season, it seems like you're okay. Maybe there's a time at work where you're getting slammed or there's a big project or something like that and then you kind of get towards the end of that stressful season and that adrenaline that's been propping you up is no longer there and then you get sick. But when you're at peace through those things, you don't get sick. It's great for your health, okay? Being at peace is good for your relationships, yes or no? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody who's constantly insecure, constantly anxious, and, it's like, and then your grace starts to wane for being around them? You're like, I can't even stand being around them anymore. They're just so draining, right? But being at peace, when both of you are at peace, it's such a wonderful thing. Your relationship is strengthened, okay? 
being at peace helps others to see Jesus in you. I think that Christians, people who follow Christ, should be the most calm people in the world. Honestly, think about that. Like, if we were calm and at peace, the rest of the world would want what we have. Why would people want what we have when what we have is the same crap they have? <laughs> you know? And so, if there's no difference between us, if we're just as anxious and worried and stressed out about everything as they are, what do we, what's the point? Then, we're, then what do we got? Then we got the heaven card. Yeah, but I'm going to heaven. And they're like, who cares? Who cares? Right? And so, listen, God doesn't want us simply to go to heaven. He wants us to bring heaven here. And so it's so important that we live in peace, that we be people who bring heaven where we are. Yeah. You know, some of my favorite people to hang around with are just people who are always at peace, just kind of confident about things. Some people, man, it's like the world is falling around, falling down around them, and they're just like, that's right, you know, God's got this, whatever. And you're like, wow, really? That's awesome. Will you, will you, Rub my head. <laughs> you do something to, you do something to pass that on to me. Would you just kind of, you know, do something, breathe, blow in my face? I don't know. Do something. I just want what you have, you know. And so, what can we kind of learn from Joseph about walking in peace? Uh, and I want to kind of take his example. And the first thing is this: is that you learn. We learn from Joseph that righteousness fosters peace. It says that Joseph was a godly man. You know, that's one of the things that I love about Joseph is that it just comes right out. It says he's a righteous man. He's a godly man. You know what? I've noticed in my life that righteousness fosters peace. There's something about doing the right thing that's a shield against anxiety and fear. Y'all kind of following me with that? When you're living right, when you're living righteously, you are at peace most of the time, you know, because you don't have that that guilt, you don't, have, you don't have conviction hitting you, you're not worried about the implications and the repercussions of the wrong decisions you're making, right? But righteousness fosters peace. In fact, I would, I would go as far as to say this, is that's that, I would go as far as to say that holy living and peace go hand in hand. Holy living and peace go hand in hand. And, uh, you know, we, we, tend to be, we tend to look for uh, loopholes in our faith a lot instead of actually just living righteously. You know, where in the Bible does it say I can't have sex with my girlfriend? Well, uh, actually, it's called fornication, but let's just, let's just say, you know, and that's kind of one of the big arguments. People, I, there was one guy that I talked to. I sat and had lunch with him, and he said, I don't believe that it's a sin to have sex with my girlfriend. And I'm like, well, you know, the Bible talks about, in, in 1 Corinthians, you know, Paul says that sex is between a man and his wife and a woman and her husband. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, if you really look at those words, and they're just kind of looking for these loopholes. And you know what happens? You know, the people that I know who are always looking for loopholes are also lacking in peace. And I, I just, can I just encourage you with that? And in fact, just off script, if you're lacking in peace today, you know, maybe take a little inventory. And I don't say this in a condemning way. Listen, I don't condemn anybody here. But maybe just take a little personal inventory and say, well, where in my life am I looking for gray areas? Am I looking for loopholes instead of just looking to please God in all that I say and do? 
And so when we move in that direction and say, God, I just want to please you in everything that I say and do, not in some sort of religious, legalistic fashion, but because I just love you and I want to please you, and you will find your peace level increase. Okay? And so righteousness fosters peace. In what area of your life have you allowed yourself to walk in gray areas? And where have you toyed with sin, right? Because we all know here that any sin that you toy with will eventually make a toy out of you. And so the first thing that goes a lot of times is your peace, is your peace. And I've been there before. I have. I remember, you know, uh, back before I met Wendy, I was in a relationship with a girl. And I remember almost just right away God saying, this is the wrong relationship and me kind of, you know, creating excuses, finding those loopholes. Your brain is like a supercomputer when it comes to justifying sin. It really is. If you want to see your brain go to work like, like, you know, some sort of brainiac, you know, all of a sudden making calculations and justifications, look for reasons why you should do what you shouldn't do, and your brain will light up. Okay, I don't know why. I don't know why. We're just good at that, right? But righteousness creates the conditions for peace to dwell in you. And so righteousness fosters peace. The next thing is this. Refuse to give fear a voice. I've noticed this. I've noticed that when I give my fear a voice, it grows. And, and kind of what do I mean by that? You know, give, what do you mean giving your fear a voice? Um, I might have a slight concern, and then I'll go share that concern with somebody, and I'll have less peace than I did before. I've noticed that as I go and I talk about this thing that I'm worried about, when I go and I talk about this fear that I have, when I go and I kind of talk about this anxiety, I notice that sharing it with somebody doesn't share the burden. What it does is it seems to multiply the fear. Has anybody else ever experienced that? And the more you talk about it, the bigger it seems to grow. And the more you share it, the more you, you know, it just seems to grow and grow and grow. And uh, then I'm just filled with anxiety. You know, it's one thing to pray with a trusted friend. But it's another thing to go friend to friend to friend to friend to sharing on Facebook, right? And, you know, post our fears on social media disguised as concern, of course, we're concerned, or virtue signaling, right, Brandon? He's talking about, and talk with lots of people about it. And when you, you know, give your fearful tank, you know, talk a rest. Accept God's invitation to peace. Because that's the thing. What we want to do is we want to share it. And I do it. I'm so guilty of this. Ask Wendy. Ask most of you, because you've heard me come up to you and share my fearful talk, right? Right? I mean, this, this pandemic is a great, you know, example gone and just shared my fears and concerns and, and talk about, you know, this and that and this and that. And then, you know what? I never walk away from those conversations with greater peace. I walk away with greater anxiety, greater anger, greater sense of powerlessness. And so give your fear talk a rest. Just give it a rest. Accept God's invitation to peace, to peace. And the last thing is this. Walk in the presence of God. Walk in the presence of God. When we worship, when we pray, when we invite the Holy Spirit to do life with us, it brings peace. It brings peace. Y'all don't think I'm always harping on prayer just because I want you to do some homework assignment. Right? 
It brings you peace. It brings you peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Right? There is no peace apart from Jesus. And apart from Jesus, there is no peace. There is no peace. If you try to find peace in the news, <laughs> never going never gonna to happen. Trying to find peace in the news, you'll just have more anxiety. If you try to find peace in weed, if you try to find peace in alcohol, you'll only experience a poorly counterfeited peace. And, though, and that's the thing is, like, it just brings on a host of other problems. All you're doing is exchanging how you feel in that moment for other problems down the road. And so, you know, that's not real peace. That's just numbing. And just like I said, I like to escape in front of the television for peace. That's just numbing. That's not real peace. That's just like an 11 and a half minute escape, you know, until the next commercial comes on. Maybe if I watched TV without commercials, I'd be at peace. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, no, it won't happen because as soon as that show is over, you know, yeah, you know. And so, but the peace that God brings, the real peace, is so great. Can I just tell you, nothing ever comes close. Nothing even comes close at all when you experience the peace of God because it's more than just this sense of lying in a pasture full of lilies, right? It's, it's actually well, the peace that God brings is more like, and I think that even the, even the word peace doesn't do justice for the peace that God brings. Because the peace that God brings is really more like a strength. It's really more like a force and advancing. And so the peace that God brings, even like, like I said, when you look at the shoes of peace, when Paul was looking at the Roman soldier and he was looking at the soldier's shoes and he calls them the shoes of peace, he was looking at a pair of shoes that had bronze inlaid over the top and going up the, the Roman soldier's shins. He was looking at a pair of shoes that had spikes on the bottom of it. He was looking at a pair of shoes that if you got kicked by these things, you would probably never walk again. And so Paul is looking at that, and that's the kind of peace that God wants to give us. It's more than just a relief from anxiety. It's more than just a relief from suffering. It is a strength and a force that God wants to put in you, right? And God is always inviting you to that. He's always inviting you to that. And it comes when we spend time in his presence, right? And so the peace of God, uh, there's nothing that even comes close. I want you to just imagine. I mean, just imagine one second, especially if you've been having a rough time over the last eight months or whatever, and you've been having a rough time maybe through the holidays or since Thanksgiving. Just imagine going through the next, let's just say the rest of the year. Okay, it's easy to imagine the next few weeks, right? With that kind of peace. I mean, just marching through every circumstance that you go through, marching through the holidays, marching through difficulties in work, marching through financial stress, marching through the, this pandemic, mar just marching through with the shoes of peace on your feet. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine that. And so I just want to end by just saying that God today is inviting you to his peace. Are you experiencing it? Are you, are you walking in it? And so I want to pray for you today. Um, I want to pray that I, I, one of the things that I felt like the Lord was saying to me earlier this morning when we were praying with the worship team is that 
there are those here who uh, find it difficult to give yourself permission to have peace. Now, if that's not you, that may sound funny, but if it is you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You find it difficult to give yourself permission to be at peace because you uh, have accepted a, a, a false virtue or accepted this idea that being concerned is a virtue. That being concerned and stressed out over things that are beyond your control is a virtue. It's not. It's not. I mean, hey, cool. We can all do things, you know. I mean, some things are, are within our control. It's okay to have concern about, you know, foster kids. That's within our control to do something. But some people, man, I'll tell you what, they're concerned about what happened, deep state government takeovers. You can't do a thing about that. If it's real, you can't do a dang thing, right? You can't. If you're losing sleep over that, right, God's not putting that burden on your shoulder. Or some people, they're concerned, they want to save the world, you know, with the pandemic. Hey, everybody. And, and, and they want, they're trying to say, listen, God didn't give you the burden of saving the world. It is not, it, you know, that is not a virtue for you to lose sleep over that. Give yourself permission to be at peace. Give yourself permission to sleep good tonight. Give yourself permission to experience God's peace. In fact, I would even say that if you have a concern like that, a really big concern, and the weight of the world is on your shoulders, and you have that concern, I would, I would go as far as to say, if you're at peace, you'll actually probably do a better service to that cause than if you just stressed out. Right? Because being at peace helps you make better decisions. Being at peace helps you to resist temptation. Be at peace makes you pleasant to be around. <laughs> right? And so uh, give yourself permission to experience God's peace. Don't believe the lie that it's virtuous to stress out about all the things you can't control. Okay? And so I just want to pray this morning. I want to end in prayer. Uh, Barb is on the prayer team. She's going to head back there. If you need prayer for peace this morning, go see Barb. She'd love to pray with you. And, uh, and I'll be back there too. I will be back uh, joining the prayer team. So if you need prayer this morning uh, for anything, come back and see us. But why don't you all stand with me?